Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 76 here on Thursday, March 24th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And, and I'm just the tag along to the man with the best radio voice <laughs> in podcasting land, Tom Pyle. Well, thank you very much, sir. I hear you got some feedback in I got feedback. Regard. I'm going to say from- I'm a, very honored, whoever that is. It was a thank former friend kindly. of mine named Bill Marson who, who said that you had a voice for radio. I, on the other hand, apparently have a face made for radio, so- that's where Bill. Yeah, left you're it. probably better off though in the long run for that. So anyway, I've always said you look like Dick Clark. <laughs> Pre-stroke. Pre-stroke. So. Too soon. I don't know. He's we'll dead. see. He's we'll dead. See yes. how yeah. that plays out. <laughs> okay, uh, it's Kamala time. Yay! It's Kamala time, ladies and gentlemen, and I am not going to spare you any of it. I'm going to give you the whole thing right here. Here we go. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Do you ever get the feeling she's tuned up sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she, of course, had her successful... She, I feel like this is like Ava Perone, right? She had her European tour that didn't go quite as well as her folks had hoped they, it would. So she came home, and now they're sending her on the road to sell the one piece of legislation that this administration oh, the thinks thing. that they... Yeah, yeah, yeah have some kind of a you know connection to the american people with um, and that that line I'm telling you came man. right out of that speech she, out there in sunny louisiana she is the jeff spicoli of american politics right now. <laughs> i was thinking mr hand I'm if i'm here pizza on our time man <laughs> if you're here and i'm here doesn't that make this our time <laughs> oh man i love that movie that's terrifying all right. So, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this I'm other good. than she is a heartbeat away from the presidency. Which is probably the only reason that the president is still the president. Can I read you a, 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 something from Politico that really struck me? Uh, by all means, sir, Let please me this. enlighten this case, me. This popped, uh, well, I don't know, uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, right? I'm going to read the whole, not the whole thing, but, but some of it, right? Um, long story short is... There's a Politico story off of a Jonathan Martin book about Trump and Biden and the battle for America's future. So, Jay Mart, if you're listening, you owe me a, some dinner for that plug. But um, anyway, it goes into how the, the Harris crew and the Biden crew didn't always like each other. And there's two um, spectacular – there's two spectacular non-denial denials in there that I want to read out loud. This is one – first one's Kate Bedick, Belding. Bedingfeld, who's communications director at the White House, right? Okay, this is her quote. The fact that no one working on this book bothered to call to fact check this unattributed claim tells you what you need to know. Bedingfeld responded, Vice President Harris is a force in this administration. I have the utmost respect for the work she does every day to move the country forward. If you listen very closely, ladies and gentlemen, in no way did she deny that everybody was chippy at each other. Um, it is probably the greatest non-denial um, denial I've ever read. Um, the um, 
there's another one in the story. Can I find it? Can I find it? Can you I can. find this, it? By the way, this is why we do this for you all, so that you get the story uh, inside the story. God, now, okay, now I can't. But it doesn't really matter because that denial enough was, was enough to make the whole trip worthwhile. The other part of the story is that Vice President Harris was upset that White House staff did not stand when she came into the room. She viewed that as a sign of disrespect. Oh. I have bad news for you. You do not stand when the vice president comes into the room. He or she is just the vice president. You stand when the president comes into the room and no one else. I'm just, I'm like, how? That crew's got some problems. I mean, not that the Trump crew didn't have problems, but that crew's got some problems. If couldn't, can't you just read the, I mean, I I wish I had, you know, the ability to just be handed everything that I need to say. In, in a short order before I say it, can't you just spend a little bit of time trying to digest some of that information? No. no. I mean, it's almost like she's doing it now. Oh, hold on. To mess with us. I found the other denial. This is from the first lady's office who who is, of course, famously hostile to the vice president. All right. Here's the quote from, from um, Jill Biden's spokesmodel, Michael LaRosa, right? Many books will be written on the 2020 campaign with countless retellings of events, some accurate, some inaccurate. The first lady and her team do not plan to comment on any of them. (laughs) I'm like, like, ladies and gentlemen, when you read stuff like that, you're just like, okay, that's some quality press work right there, but not quality enough to get past us. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Those, well, those three—the two non-denials and and the and the Harris getting upset because people didn't stand up when she came into the room—I'm like, this is still America. We don't stand up for senators. We don't stand up for guys who preside over the Senate. Get over yourself, seriously. Okay, well, enough of uh, enough of the vice president. There's the never moment. enough. Come on, man. We could there, do. There will be. We should do I a special show. There will be it. at least one clip a week. At the rate we're going for the with, rest of with our the lives. vice president of the United States. Because as you know, Mike, the progress, the significance progress. of the fa- passage of time, right? So yeah. when you think about it, there's a great significance to the passage of time. <laughs> Eating some pizza, learning about Cuba. A friend in need <laughs> is a friend indeed. <laughs> Okay, I'm telling you, Jeff Spicoli. Jeff Spicoli's the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Ukraine, Russia, EU. A couple quick hits here, and um, we can move forward. Um, we all know we're a month in now. Uh, Biden's out in, in uh, Europe now doing his thing. He uh, This was very odd today. His press release, his press conference was an hour early. Yeah. He took six questions, five or six questions uh, from a list. Again. And then he rolled out of there. And, of course, the highlight of was was his defiance that sanctions were a deterrent, were ever supposed to be a deterrent. I'm not going to play the super clip because I think we have before of every single person in his administration who is authorized to comment about sanctions saying that sanctions were a deterrent. Supposed to be We're supposed to be a deterrent. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, so that's that. But I, wait, just one one quick thing on that, a mechanical thing. I've been thinking about this, this taking questions from a list. 
and he, t- he takes them in order, right? Each time he takes them in order, right? He doesn't. It's not like a list of ten, and he picks like yeah, yeah. number oh, one and three and seven he, and eight, yeah, right? He goes like, one, two, list. three, four, five. What do you want to bet me? They're they're set up. They're. Pr- what do you want to bet me that the reporters had to send in the questions in writing beforehand? It's possible. I bet you that's exactly what goes on. That's why he's so religious about going in order on the list. Doesn't know the reporters, but he knows the questions that are coming. One, two, three, four. He might. He might not, though, because, again, he went all, like, old guy angry on the sanctions question. No, he's just an old angry guy. And he also, like, doubled down on the the fine people stuff in Europe. Yeah. Uh, It's it's like, really? Seriously? Like, we're not over this? Like, all we got to do is play the whole transcript of Trump. Let it go. Okay, I'll let it go. Let it go. But we do want to find. We are going to find out whether those those whether the press is giving him questions in advance. I bet you they are. Okay, so um, what I wanted to point I wanted to point out two things I caught that caught my attention. Yes, uh, they're related, but I want to play this clip and then I want to uh, read from an article. I want to share this breaking news with you from the team down in Washington. Russia has transferred U.S. dollars to settle coupon payments due. Back on Wednesday on two euro bonds. You remember the amount? $117 million. This according to people familiar with the matter. The story goes on to read, the people declined to be identified because they aren't authorized to speak publicly on the issue. A Treasury spokeswoman said US sanctions on Russia don't prohibit Russia from making these debt payments, mirroring a statement similar to the one that we got on Wednesday. Okay, so there's that. And then there was another article in Bloomberg Energy on March 22nd, war is raging, but Russia is still paying Ukraine for gas flows. <laughs> Ukraine is being paid in hard currency for Europe gas transit. Russian gas shipments to Europe jumped after the war started. Uh, Russia is actually shipping more natural gas through Ukraine and Moscow and is still paying Kiev in full for trans- transiting the fuel to Europe. So... Yes. It's like there's this thing happening where there's like yeah. all these people talking and barking at, uh, at each other about how Ukraine and Zelensky is the new Churchill and Ru- Ru- Vladimir Putin is an evil Darth Vader. And yet these transactions are, are happening underneath yeah, man, nobody, the entire thing. Well, the, the Germans, is, the Germans are still the Germans have taken there's been more russian inflows of gas into the eu since the invasion in the months since the invasion and the month before the, the D- daily the, gas flows from russia at some point surged more than 50 percent from january lows yeah with shipments traveling through ukrainian pipelines more than doubling yeah as energy they, companies rush to buy yeah and you know the weird thing is the ukrainians haven't blown up the lines either i know it the whole thing the whole thing is it, it, it is war as only the Europeans could fight war. It's weird is what it is, right? You know, Americans go in there. First thing to do is like, hey, let's start blowing up pipelines and making this painful for everybody. No. No. But I'm just it, – it's The U.S. Weird. is letting these, these debt payments go through too though, well, right? Well, in, in all fairness, the United States – and I've said this a couple of times now. The United States has failed to impose secondary sanctions on businesses who do business with Russia. And we failed to do um, we failed to do sanctions on co- on countries right that do that accept money or, or things from Russia like natural gas like Germany right so it, it, everybody gets all tangled about the MIGs and and S four hundred so do I because you know important but everyone fails to mention that Germany is literally 
literally paying for both sides of this fight. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. And and also, like, I've seen or heard reports that really the MiGs are kind of important, but Russia's throwing a lot of these uh, missiles from Russian soil. Yeah. They're like three, 400-mile, 500-mile range type deals, right, yeah. with the GPS and all that other business. So Yeah, if you were serious, you'd give them long – truthfully, if you were serious, you'd give them Predator drones if you were serious. <laughs> You know, this is this is. I don't want to say this is kabuki because it's not kabuki. People are fighting for their lives in Ukraine, yeah, and people are but dying. For, but for everybody not in Ukraine, everybody who's not a Russian soldier or Ukrainian soldier or citizen, it has the flavor of a Disney World war. Like I said, first thing in a real war you'd do, you bomb the natural gas pipelines for sure. Yeah, and like you said, you know, we should have we should have had demonstrations in the Black Sea. Yeah. Hell yeah. Look for this thing. That would have been a deterrent, not not the sanctions, which were either they are or they're not, depending on which official in the entire administration said they were supposed to be a deterrent, were, except for the big guy. If you were interested in deterring this, you would have put the 82nd Airborne in Ukraine for exercises for an indefinite period of time instead of sending them to Poland to help with refugees. The 82nd Airborne does not help with refugees. They jump out of planes and kill people. Why waste them? Sorry, that's your editorial content for today. <laughs> okay, we can move on. Let's talk about uh, our favorite subject these days, gas prices versus domestic production of oil and gas. This is, um, you know, the administration has been two-faced in this for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Man. Right? Um, saying one thing and doing the opposite. So we put together this little clip the American Energy Alliance, uh, which we rolled out this week. Cue ominous music. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. My administration is using every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers from rising prices at the pump. Is the grand old plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> that is hilarious. We have to increase supply so that we cannot, um, so we can make sure that people are protected at the pump. We do not actually need a new investment in oil, coal, or gas production because they're simply not necessary to meet our energy needs given other technologies that are online and coming online. Gas is a bridge fuel. Gas can be helpful in this transition. Gas is going to be important in the transition. Yeah. Then there's this doozy. Some have viewed the Biden administration's energy policy as anti-fossil fuel. When we asked Secretary Granholm if the Biden administration's energy policy is driving up gas prices, she said this. I think it's baloney. This administration wants the oil and gas companies to extract what they can, even as we also accelerate 
toward a clean energy future. And she says that future includes more electric vehicles. If you have a garage and you plug it in at home, then you it may cost you about $12 to fill up your tank, if you will, to go 300 miles. If you if you bought gasoline today, you'd be paying about 52 bucks to fill up your tanks. Yeah. Okay, full. First of all, we're IRC3, our sister research organization is going to be working crunch we're crunching the numbers now and guess what folks you ain't saving a ton of money from an electric vehicle the numbers are pretty darn close to parity in fact we're if 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 these numbers are verified it might be more expensive to quote unquote fill your electric tank yeah so that's not true and and to say that it's baloney that this administration is not working to suppress the oil and gas industry domestically is a flat out, sure. I mean, they're flat proud, out lie. They're proud of it. I mean, look, it, it, it. Period. Yeah, this conversation's pretty much over. I, I, you know, the 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 administration. There has been a a now six week long combat inside the administration about the proper response to increasing energy prices, and I have bad news for everybody out there. The um, the folks who want to increase oil and gas production have lost, and the folks who want to accelerate the energy transition have won, and the administration is going to talk more, and in fact, for the last week, if you've been listening to them, have talked more about clean energy and alternative energy. Oh, they're, and they're, they're pressing the gas now, That's pardon right. the pun, ladies and That's gentlemen. Right. So, so this, 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 this conversation is over, right? The administration's going to be all in on this, on this, um, on alternative energy and forget oil and gas. And that means, for those of you keeping score, um, we're going to have gas prices denominated, uh, crude oil prices denominated in triple digits probably for the remainder of the administration. I, I don't know how to say this, and I, I, I hesitate to say it because I'm a little early. I figured I wasn't going to have to say it for another three or four months, but I'll call it right now. I call this I call this administration's peak way back in um, yeah way back in early April of last year. I'll call this I'll call this right now. This administration's over right now. They're done. They're not going to be they're not going to be effective in any arena at all for the remainder of their of their um, thirty four months in power. That is a very painful prediction. I'm just telling you it, it for us when, when for you, us folks it when, is a very painful sure, prediction it's terrible because but, it's just going to keep getting pile on after. Problem after problem is just going to compound. That's right. Well, you look at the three big problems we're looking at, right? Energy prices, inflation, and, and the the invasion of Ukraine, right? They, they interlock. Um, they have no good answer for any of them. And the funny thing is there are good answers for them available, but they refuse to take them. Um, Gina McCarthy took a victory lap in today's political. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Bring it up. Let's yeah. have it. Gene McCarthy is, quote, I'm not fighting with the Edison Electric Institute, the utilities sector's top trade group. The utilities are coming in and saying, we need this because we're shifting to clean energy. They're our biggest advocates on the this work on the Hill. This is not a fight about coal anymore. It is a challenge about natural gas and infrastructure investments because we don't want to invest in things that are time limited because we are time limited. And and that, let me just break in on that time limited thing, right? That she is referencing specifically the feeder pipes and LNG terminals and, and the feeder pipes for them, right? That has been the pivot point in this argument in the administration. Do we want to go ahead and build them? And the answer has come back, 
no, we do not want No it. and no and no and no. Well, for a while, it was a nip and tuck thing, but ultimately they decided we do not want to um, install generational infrastructure that will be used. Truthfully, from their point of view, they're right. If you build these LNG terminals and if you build these feeder pipes, um, you, no hope of making net zero by 2030 or 2050 of or ever. And truthfully, there's no hope of making that anyway. Um, but you, you, it would be a public acknowledgement that the net zero thing is a fiction. And you know, this administration looked, looked at it in the face and said, can't acknowledge that. That'd be, that'd be bad for the donors. So here we are. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that they're, they're making, uh, it sound like they're specific to natural gas, by the way. Yeah. They have not mentioned in, in oil. And then Jamie Dimon, yeah. our buddy Jamie. I, I heard about this. Wants a Marshall plan for gas. I heard about this. But made it absolutely clear that he's not talking about oil. Do you, do you, okay, this is a serious question. Now, this is, this is a serious question. Do you think Jamie Dimon knows? Now, I know the guys in the White House don't know because they don't know anything about energy. Do you think Jamie Dimon is aware that there's no such thing as a whole that only brings up natural gas? They're all essentially associated. They are. So with, I mean, we do have drag. We do in, in Marcellus, it's mostly yeah. gas. Yeah, but but even in the Marcellus, right. there's no I such understand. thing as a drag. They're all wet. It, right. It's all associated. So they can talk about gas, but they, they really they are just, including they, oil, they just, right? See, and that's what I – I heard what Jamie said and I thought, is he smart enough to know this or is he dopey enough to think this? I, can't, yeah. can't, I couldn't figure out which, right? But the point of the video, the point of all this conversation is, is the administration is saying things like, and I think this is J Jake Sullivan, and I think you can expect that the U.S. will look for ways to increase LNG supplies, surge LNG supplies to Europe, not just over the course of years, but over the course of months as well. Of course, that amount will grow over time. You can't say that and then push an agenda that would re would result in the exact opposite. Well, I'm kind of curious. And actually. that is exact. They have not slowed down at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen here with this 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 because this whatever happens in in Brussels, they're going to have some kind of communique, some kind of an agreement, something in writing. I want to see how the administration finesses this. Because everyone's barking at them about, hey, you know, the Europeans, for their part, they're as bad as Americans, right? Their their big ideas about how to wean themselves off of Russian gas say, is to um, import more gas from America or Qatar, right? And um, heat, heat pumps. pumps. Don't forget heat pumps. Heat pumps or energy efficiency, right? And way more renewables. Way, way more wind, yeah, wind, it, wind, it, wind, wind, wind. It's it's ridiculous, right? And and. I wonder what the I wonder what their solution is going to be if the um, if the Americans don't have any more LNG to export because that's a that's what we're looking at that's where we're headed and I think what we're going to wind up with is these very weaselly worded things coming out of Brussels. I'm very curious to see what it exact what it says exactly what exactly do we commit to because right now speaking as a guy who's working on a couple of these you can't get thing one out of FERC. I don't care what the president says. You can't get these terminals out of FERC. You can't get the feeder lines out of FERC. And it, just to just to make the world more complicated, FERC turned what was a train wreck into a disaster today. I know by reopening the statement for reopening the policy statement for comment and 
indefinitely. I'm just right. You're right. It, it's so uh, it's the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. So for those who aren't following very closely, we've who, talked who, who about who isn't this. following fur closely. We have Get talked about podcast. the fact that the the FERC, which is an independent commission, quote unquote, has basically been working overtime to create a set of rules that would make it virtually impossible for any new pipes to be approved by the federal government. Gas pipes. FERC has jurisdiction over gas pipes. The uh, th- that's that's thing one. Thing two is the SEC. Yeah, and the SEC just finalized their rules on disclosure, mandatory disclosure of climate change risks from the Wall Street Journal. U.S. regulators propose stringent requirements for policy tra- for publicly traded companies to report information on greenhouse gas emissions and risk related to climate change in one of Biden. Biden administ- the Biden administration's potentially most significant environmental actions to date. The 534-page proposal Monday uh, would force publicly traded companies to report emissions from their own operations, as well, this is the kicker, as well as from the energy they consume, and to obtain independent certification of their estimates. In some cases, companies would also be required to report greenhouse gas output of both their supply chains and consumers, known as Scope 3 emissions. An SEC official said most companies in the S&P 500 would likely have to report scope these Scope 3 emissions. The, um, a, law, a law partner, former SEC division flunky, said the proposal is the most ex- extensive, comprehensive, and complicated disclosure initiative in decades. Pat Toomey, today's action hijacks the democratic process and disrespects the limited scope of authority that this Congress gave to the SEC. And Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, countered with investors and businesses, have for years asked for reliable information that can be used to assess climate-related risks and opportunities. Yeah, I volley to you, sir, with that quote. I have mixed feelings about the whole operation. I mean, you know, it 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 it's, it's not going to survive legal challenge, so I'm not going to waste any time on it, right? Um, if let's put it this way, EPA is EPA is in the middle of the fairway with their um, clean power plan plant. Which by Proposal, clean purpose. people, purple and plan, purple people yeah. plan, which they've expanded now. I don't yeah, know if yeah, you yeah. saw that. Yeah, so. but I mean, they're kind of in the middle of the fairway. They're in the middle of the fairway with CAFE. I think the Supreme Court's going to bounce both of them for being outside of statutory authority. The SEC is like way out in the woods on this thing. I mean, they hit this thing 100 yards off the off the fairway. It It's so far beyond their statutory authority. It's It's unbelievable. It's not going to survive. My one thought on the topic beyond that is this. Um, I sort of wish it would survive, and I'll tell you why. Because it would stop all this nonsense about companies saying that, hey, we're, we're, you know, we, we're going to be net zero by whenever, by 2030, by 2050. SEC is already sending letters to people, by the way, that's saying, Give hey, me your plan. Well, hey, you're telling, Put- you're telling, you know, you're telling your shareholders and and reporters in your quarterlies, you are telling people, hey, you know, we're going to do this investment, that investment, the other investment. 
you know, that's going to have emissions dated out to 2050. And you're telling everybody else, hey, we're going to make net zero by 2050. One of those is inaccurate. Which is it? Now, I don't like the SEC. I don't like any federal regulator, to be honest with you. But um, it's a legitimate question. And I look forward to the day when somebody makes the companies answer it. I would rather it be a Republican SEC and I would rather it be done through voluntary compliance. But I have to be honest with you, like all things. Be careful what you wish for because right? sometimes you get it. That's right. Right? I yeah, mean, these companies go. have been playing this game now for a while. It, figuring it, there'd be no downside risk to like. Just talking. Right. We're just talking. And now these guys, my theory is, is that as we've talked about it in the past, this crew is basically the all the folks in the Obama administration that didn't have a you know a highly ranked position, right? They were kind of second or third in charge, and they were kind of hanging out and waiting, and got a few years of experience, learned a little bit more, and now they're taking the, their their agenda is a full-on direct attack on fossil fuel, oil and gas production in this country, right? Yeah. And they got a guy who... Yeah. He, all he, he doesn't do. have a, any more... He doesn't have this... He, he just signs whatever paper. Exactly. And they're going full throat sure, man. right now to take advantage of that fact. I'm in favor. While, of they, can, while in, they can... I'm in favor of it. All these because companies... Even Obama would have said, you know what, yeah, folks, we need to pull back for a couple of months here. I have to be honest with you. I, I never thought Obama was a bad president. I, I thought he was, you know, annoying. Oh, but, I, but if you actually I, looked at if you actually looked at what he did, it was essentially nothing. It's like Bill Clinton, except Bill Clinton wasn't annoying. He was entertaining, but he did nothing. Fundamental the, transformation of what, what? They were after. It, so. You know, it. it so. Look, I'm 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 hopeful that American companies will eventually figure out that these guys don't like them and that they will once again become advocates but, for free market capitalism. But you know what's interesting? Or something like it. Is that they're they don't really have a home anymore in free market. I mean, should we take them back? Are we gonna talk about Disney? I I mean, should we take them back is the question. No, of course right? not. No, why would we? Because they're as far as I can tell, that's how many, how many, let me ask you a question. They're not serving capitalism very well right now. No, they're, 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 look, we are, we are where we've been heading for, for years. And that is the divorce between the Republicans and yes, business. Yes. And, and I'm grateful for it. And I'll, you know, we, did we talk about Disney last week? We have not talked about Disney. Let's, I mean, let's just, let's just use Disney as an example real quick. You know, Disney got all upset about the bill in Florida that precluded um, teachers of children from kindergarten through third grade from engaging in gender identity conversations with the kids. All right, I have bad news for you. As a, as a father and a grandfather, I'd be freaking horrified if anybody engaged in gender identity conversations with a eight-year-old. But, but you know, it has. It, it's it is going a, on. It, in Monk, it is going on in our school district as well. Of course it's it is. happening. So DeSantis and Chris Sproles, who's the uh, House Speaker down there in Florida, did a great job, passed the bill, the whole bit. Bob Chapek, who runs um, 
who runs Disney, right? The CEO, he decided, uh, he wants to say something. He harumph, 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 called up DeSantis. And the governor apparently said, hey, thanks for the call. Now, go away and play in traffic, kid. Um, that's a hell of a thing, right? For the largest private employer in the state. Unimaginable as recently as 10 years ago. Not only is Ron DeSantis not going to pay any price for that, I guarantee you he's going to run ads on it when he runs oh, yeah. for president. Oh, yeah. I'm the guy who told Disney to go to hell. Yeah, yeah. I'm ES, the guy who stood ESPN up for it. ESPN had their little uh, and you know, the thing silent is, moment of silence about that, it that's too. Such right? bullshit. Owned by Disney. The 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 what the what the business community has not yet incorporated into their brains, into their thinking, into how they they view the world is, is that the Republicans are not coming back. There are no. I'm no. The, this is not going to be exactly, a, you know, and 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 it's not going to be just limited to. I know they, I know what the business guys think. Hey, we'll do what we have to do on the culture war side, but when it comes to the heartland issues that we care about—taxes, trade, immigration, trade unionism—the Republicans are going to be with us. You know what? I bet you, if I took a, a quick jump, a quick survey through the House Republican Caucus. I'd probably get 120 guys to say, you know what? I couldn't care less about Davis Bacon. No, I represent union guys. I'm perfectly happy to have union guys do it, right? Uh, well, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it, the, it, that issue is becoming moot because they're paying – we're getting close to prevailing. Those those wages right, are course, getting getting near parity. Of course, right? The, so, so look, the thing is is that on every single one of these issues, you know, the Republicans are much closer – to your run-of-the-mill union person, they are to the boss. They're much closer to the guys who are working for a living than they are the Heck CEO. Yeah. And, yep. and that that ultimately shows up in policy, and the business guys don't have that in their head yet. They think, hey, the Republicans are going to show up. They're and it's always going to do what they've always done, and, back us, and, you, you know, know. And I said this in my monthly note, right? I said this in my monthly note. And I thought about this sentence for a long time. I'm like, guys, um, the legacy Republicans can only hold the line for so long. And we, we are just about – you're yeah, just about out of legacy Republicans. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy, Senator McConnell, you know, I have great respect for Senator McConnell. I have limited respect for Congressman McCarthy. Those guys are now um, the legacy end of, the, of both of their caucuses. And, you know, five years from now, neither one of them are going to be there. So good luck, fellas. Yeah, Hope it goes well yeah, for you. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Just to wrap up this SEC conversation, the lone Republican SEC commissioner, Hester Peirce, voted against the proposal and issued a dissenting statement of 6,300 words. Okay, this quote, we are here laying the cornerstone of a new disclosure framework that will eventually rival our existing securities disclosure fra framework in magnitude and cost and probably outpace it in complexity. She warned that the proposed rules will enrich the climate industrial com complex while hurting investors, the economy, and the SEC. Uh, you know, of course, it was a Zoom deal. Yeah. Out of uh, in an effort to reduce her carbon footprint, <laughs> she turned the video off and she said she she uh, achieved ninety six percent of it, uh, CO greenhouse gas reduction by turning her Zoom video off. Uh, you know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm back and forth with her office about doing an interview with her. I'm tremendously excited. We should about get her that. on here. I, you don't mind if I talk to her first? Eh? I don't want to scare her all of at once. Of course not. Of course <laughs> let's, not. Let's scare her in pieces. Anyway, so so I guess my point is this, folks: don't buy any of the hype. If you if you think that these guys even remotely care about you, 
uh, they don't. And uh, they are not working very hard. In fact, they're working the opposite. They're working very hard to make these prices stay exactly where they are. They're going to do some fun little gimmicky type stuff. Um, and, and let me um, highlight one of them for you. Governor Gavin yeah. is now circling around giving every buddy who owns an automobile 400 bucks to help offset their gas price on a debit card yeah yeah so if you have two car you get it capped at 800 so if you have two registered cars you get 800 bucks uh-huh. right doesn't not not means tested why would, why everyone would, gets one why would it be everyone gets one to help alleviate gas prices so now we're paying people to cover up for their crappy policies and california's pay, uh Motorists have the highest gas prices in the United States by far, and he wants to um, give you guys 800 bucks. I thought this was... F- well, in all fairness, he's not alone, right? No, no. I, there's another one here. Three members of Congress introduced the Gas Rebate Act of 2022 to send Americans a $100 check a month. I love it. Who? 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 Uh, Mike Thompson. John California. California, John Larson, Connecticut, and Lauren Underwood, Illinois. Yeah, those are. I, I don't know where. Where are the those are three, those are prices three, of gas? Those are three moderate Democrats who are all who are all probably at risk, right? And no. places where gas prices are the highest. Sure. Because why? Because they have the most all these crazy environmental uh, and all these crazy uh, you regulations know that it, lead is, to this, higher this, gas this, prices. This is where this. Okay, two things. First off. It's also prevalent overseas, right? France, Italy, all these places are giving rebates. The, the, I tell you what I do right now. If, I, if, if we had better leadership, I want to say this carefully. If we were a bit more creative in the House, um, <laughs> we would file a discharge petition on that bill right away. We would file a discharge. We would, we would walk around, get everybody to sign a discharge petition, bring it to the floor of the House right away. Just make Nancy Pelosi, um, you know, Eat it up. It it would be fun. The other thing, the other thing I want to point out real quick. Oh, I, by I, the way, wait, let me get back to the California thing really quickly because yeah, sure. this is important. Yeah. You know, you know that the reason that we have inflation is is not because of Vladimir Putin, un, un, unlike what Joe Biden thinks, right? Do you remember the the big one point nine billion trillion trillion, dollar sorry. monstrosity yes. that Biden passed sure. on top of all the monstrosities that were already passed? You're welcome. The blue states. Have huge budget surpluses right now. Sure, most of this money is from that. Is from that. That makes perfect sense. Everyone else is giving away. So tax everyone rebates. is washing this cash around the economy. As you've mentioned, nothing productive has, ha- has happened in this country say. in two years. Say, ladies and gentlemen, and so they're compounding the inflation problem by circulating even more money around. I like it. It's it's a. I like it. I was just one one quick point. Eleven on. billion. This is what. Uh, Gavin's proposal would cost. Well, you know, the great thing is, is that everybody with a brain in their head is going to pass the debit cards off to other people and cash them, right? The, um, well, you know, it's it's if you don't if, if you don't have a car, your car's not working. You know, everybody's going to find mysterious cars all of a sudden. But I did you know, find this funny. There, uh, some I was scrolling around Twitter this morning, and and somebody tweeted, "I just told my wife today about Gavin Gavin Newsom's four hundred dollar gas rebate." She has just informed me that we'll be using those two, those two vehicle, those eight hundred dollars towards our yearly California car registration fees that just arrived in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> 
what I was going to say in a larger sense, California, France, Germany, Italy. Gas, Britain, gas tax holidays. Gas tax holidays, um, rebates, stimulus, checks, all this stuff. What you're watching is the death of the idea of this energy transition. Right. Oh, I hope you're right. You, you just know if, right. if if you can't if you can't if your population isn't prepared to take four and a half dollar gas, then it's not going to be able to make right. the transition. Right. And and the and the White House inexplicably has managed to find itself not only wrong, but all by itself in its wrongness. Even the Europeans, the Europeans are talking, we're gonna put more wind and more this and more that. But what they're really doing is they're subsidizing people buying more gasoline. That's right. And, and, and there's a, just, a, another funny tweet. The Sunrise Foundation, the Sunrisers, yeah. they, they are lamenting that uh, gas companies are like making these obscene profits. Yeah. And so they want to put a cap on the cost of a gallon of gasoline. Do they not realize <laughs> what they're doing? <laughs> they're incentivizing the the the... It, Further production it's, of gasoline by putting a of cap on the price. They have, like their their genius, like graphics guys, like came up with this idea, right? They, like they, they, you know, it's the law of demand. Apparently, confuses them. It, oh, it, it's, it, just it, it's. I'm very. Uh, all wars have something good that comes out of them. This war, um, the good thing is it exposed every one of the fallacies involved in the transition, right? Yeah, yep, yep. All right. Um I gotta do this. I, I didn't want to, but I gotta oh boy. I gotta do this. Okay. Hunter Biden, this laptop uh, that intelligence mm -hmm. officials have warned or is likely Russian disinformation. I get pretty fired up about how this works because look, I mean if the New York Post tells you your mom loves you, you should check it out. We are not talking about fully reliable sources here. It feels like a, a repeat from last cycle. It's the, you know, but her emails again, and it's kind of ridiculous, featuring all the usual suspects. Hunter Biden, mysterious emails, Ukrainian businessman, dot, 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 dot. Yeah, you could probably put 300 more on there. Oh, at them. least, and include the, the cover page of that dreaded New York post where they had the 50 the 51 guys one national security advisors yeah. who were all in on the bullshit story yeah. pardon my french we have to get an e now um yeah the it, i have resisted this for a long time because i hated the first one but we need to have a church commission in this country again now, you're probably too young for the to remember the church commission i i vaguely recall let the me, church commission let me help you out frank church who was a senator from idaho and a democrat and um generally speaking not a great human being, ran a commission in the middle 70s that um, examined the abuses of the CIA and the FBI, right? There is now no way that we can avoid having a Frank Church type commission. And I'm hoping that some senior sensible Republican is going to have it, is going to set it up. But we have to have it. The The abuses are so bad now. And the, the 51 guys on the on that letter they were not insignificant people. There were five former DNIs. There was a former CIA director. Um, something's really wrong. Something is really, really wrong in the CIA and the FBI. Oh, massively. Like, I have right a friend the, who's— and, I, and I'm not a conspiracy. I have a good friend who who's involved in that world. Yeah. 
and he obviously can't tell me everything, but he tells me ad nauseum yeah. how completely inept and downright, you know, not even good for this country the FBI has become. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm. The Church Commission was a was a was a really painful experience, um, and I'm sure it diminished our abilities throughout the world. But it was necessary at the time, and I think it's necessary now. I, I've never, you know, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I don't think the election was stolen. I don't think everything that you know the former boss said is totally right. I'm not that guy. But if you haven't, if you don't think that something's really wrong here, you haven't been paying attention for the last five years. I mean, it's bad. It's it's beyond and, and bad. And that's what we I know. Mean, this is, and that's what we know, right? That's what we know. We know that the FBI. Um, wanted to pick the president in 2016. We know, we know that, that the, they wanted that the, to unseat the guy in 2020. In 2020. We know that they that they formulated false things. We know that the CIA um, spy masters essentially poo pooed the October the September 2020 laptop thing that was that would have directly will directly implicate the president, the current president. We know all this stuff. That's what we know. My bigger question is, what don't we know? Um, it's a it's a sad and terrible day for America. It's not a happy thing, but it has to be done, and that's just the bottom line. Uh, the, and and it is partially why I call the 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 end of the Biden administration now, right? Because when this thing starts, to, when they start to pick apart this thing forensically, oh yeah, I it's mean, it's going to become I, obvious. I mean, Biden's clips. I mean, go getting downright like getting up in someone's face and you know let me just well i'm not it, thinking about that i'm thinking about what's on, on the laptop right all we know is what's reported what else is on there right the other thing you got to think about with this the new york times broke it right the new york times broke it the new york times broke it for a reason my very strong suspicion is they broke it because they want to usher him to the door as soon as they can after the midterms they want him to get up and say i'm not running again they want to make it, it impossible for him to run again so when you're thinking about this, realize that it's not a right left thing. There's some there's some left on left violence going on here too. Yeah. Which, by the way, will help on this commission that we need to have. Yeah, hopefully. Anyway. So I want to close with a um quick clip of our good friend Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, who uh for those uh, who are uh listeners know that we're no big fans of Mr. Fink. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, maybe it's something I'm, I don't know, um, but uh, um, is t directly tied to the uh, to the to the whole thing we talked about with corporations. So, well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're gonna, we're asking companies: uh, you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. We're never going to let this guy off the hook, man. He is so. And and let's remind folks: there there is a. There's someone right in the middle of this between Biden and him, and that is this Brian Deese fella, right? I'm 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 so, a big believer in in what do you say, forcing behaviors? It's just that it's well, just behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're gonna, we're asking companies: uh, you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Well, one, behavior. One quick one quick observation. I know we got to go. Yeah. Um, during the Nazi war trials. Everybody remarked upon one thing, right? And that was the banality of it all, right? That they expected these men to be monsters. But in fact, they were not monsters. They were essentially faceless bureaucrats.
That's exactly where we are right now. That's the kind of person Larry Fink is. He's a faceless bureaucrat who talks about forcing behaviors. And with that, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) On that high note. Thank you, Bill Marson. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time here in the new AEA Studios, where apparently it makes me sound even greater (laughs) in a podcast medium. So thank you very much. Namaste. Namaste.